This presentation is about organizing your argument and it will supplement the materials already in our course. In its original form, it was produced by Purdue University. I'm your instructor and I'm embellishing it ever so slightly so that fits in with the contour of our online course. Welcome. What is an argument? You've seen this spelled out in a couple of different ways, but uh, I think that it's important for all of us to get a full view of the spectrum of, of means by which you can actually define an argument. Here's one. An argument involves the process of establishing a claim and then proving it with the use of logical reasoning. And I want to emphasize logical. But of course you should uh, put examples, illustrations, and also research into your argument. Another way of saying it that we have brought up uh, to you in previous presentations and probably which fits in a little bit more with the pattern of standard critical thinking textbooks is an argument consists of a set of propositions set up in such a way that one of them is set to follow from the others that are offered as reasons, premises, or evidence for that claim. Now why would you think that organization in your argument is important when you begin to construct it? First of all, it does guide an audience through your own reasoning process. It also offers a clear explanation of each argued point. It demonstrates the credibility of you, in this case, the writer or author of the argument. Organization is really good. It involves a certain amount of clarity as well. Um, think about it for just a moment. When you see something that's provided to you that seems to be incoherent or not necessarily set up in a reasonably uh, logical order, it tends to reflect on the credibility of the person who's actually offering the argument. What is one way of organizing your argument? Of course, there are many ways, but the standard way is basically introduction, main body, and conclusion. Uh, you're going to want to have a title, and that's going to be based on uh, an issue. Remember, an issue, according to our textbook, is expressed in terms of whether or not uh, such and such is the case. So whether or not animals have rights, for example, if you're doing something in environmental ethics, which I uh, hope you'll be interested in, whether or not animals have rights, and then you're going to take a claim one way or the other, take a position and express a claim one way or the other, uh, such as, for example, yes, animals do have uh, rights, and I shall argue that. No, animals do not, and I shall argue, argue that. So you have a title based upon the thesis and the main claim that you are advancing. In the introductory paragraphs, you offer your thesis statement, and that thesis statement contains your main claim, and that main claim is basically the conclusion of the premises that you will be uh, arguing for in the body of the argument. In the, roughly the main body, you've got uh, the main body paragraphs, and each of those paragraphs will have something like topic sentences, and each of those topic sentences will in fact constitute the main claims that serve as the premises of the overall claim, which is a conclusion of your argument. Uh, within the main body, you'll have paragraphs that will build upon the main points, illustrate those points, exemplify those points, and also it's a good idea to provide a counter-argument to your position. So if you're going to be really uh, non-disingenuous about this, in other words, honest, what you want to do is to provide the very best skeletal argument that is against your position and then argue against it. That uh, that amounts to at least a paragraph to do so. So if you're real honest about the, the procedure, then you're going to get the best argument that can be offered against your position and you're going to show why it's not a good argument. And of course you wind it all down with a conclusion and normally the conclusion does restate your uh, introduction, really. So you've kind of come full circle in a well-formed argument. Why do you need a title? Well, it introduces a topic of discussion to your intended audience. 
it generates reader interest in the argument and of course uh, not just reading but also giving a speech uh, oftentimes involves a title uh, you might not necessarily assert the title in a speech but the, at least the title is implied when you write it out you should have a good title and the title shouldn't be an enormous amount of uh, verbiage it should be a fairly straightforward sentence like uh, kind of like a component of your uh, beginning of your argument when you create a title it's a good idea to try to grab attention uh, in a reader uh, you might offer a provocative symbolic image or metaphor uh, pick up on some words that are already offered to body the conclusion of the paper oftentimes editorials do this oftentimes newspaper editors will take a letter to the editor you probably notice this and uh, call through it and try to discover what uh, themes there are and create a title out of the basic themes uh, sometimes you can include a, a question like uh, are animals entitled to rights does the environment have inherent value things like this and of course you uh, want to try to avoid titles that are too general or lack character you know you do want to provide some stimulation to the reader in this instance in your course it's mostly me that will be reading your work so I certainly want you to make me interested in your work when you consider titles, imagine that you just wrote a paper offering a solution to the problem of road rage. Which do you consider to be the best title? Road rage? Can't drive 55? Road rage, curing our highway epidemic. Think about it for a moment. What do you think might be the best one? Captures a paper. Let's talk about um, an introduction. The introduction of your argument is going to acquaint the reader with the topic and the purpose of the paper. It's going to try to generate audience interest in the topic and of course it's going to provide as well the uh, thesis statement that is serving as your main claim or conclusion of your overall argument and uh, probably stated right up front the reasons that you're going to give which you'll elaborate on a little bit later in the main body. And that involves offering a plan for that argument that is about to take place. What are some methods for constructing an introduction? Personal anecdotal statements anecdotes means uh, means to some extent uh, experiences that you yourself have had or observed example that the examples that are real or perhaps hypothetical uh, questions quotations shocking statistics and and of course the statistics should come from credible resources and having said that remember uh, do not use as a primary source Wikipedia Wikipedia and there probably are some others on the internet uh, is not uh, a suitable primary source in order to uh, use as a reference or footnote for anything you do. You can use Wikipedia in order to maybe develop an idea as, uh, as to where you might go for the primary sources or the more uh, relevant or credible sources, but please do not get statistics or other quotations from Wikipedia alone. It's a place to start, but I do not want to see in any of your papers or any of your other work references directly to Wikipedia as if that were a substantiation. Uh, Wikipedia is known for not being moderated in many instances and therefore it's not a trustworthy and reliable source. You might use a striking image and that of course could be a verbal image uh, rendered in words or perhaps even I suppose uh, some form of a uh, symbolized uh, uh, or stylized cartoon or picture. Um, but any of these methods uh, will entice an audience uh, or reader to get a little bit more further involved uh, and uh, understand why this particular issue is important to you. What's a thesis statement? It really is the most important sentence in your paper. And it lets the reader know 
what the main idea is of the paper, and that usually constitutes the main claim. And uh, what you're at least uh, asking yourself is, what am I trying to prove? Remember, it's not a factual statement, but it's a claim that has to be proven throughout the paper. So you're going to treat this uh, claim of yours as uh, something in logic, uh, we would, or the way in logic we treat all claims or propositions. They're either true or false, but they cannot be both simultaneously, but they must be one or the other. So your claim, you're hoping to prove, but the reason why you have to go through the process of proving it is because it is a little bit contentious or it is a little bit um, arguable. Uh, if it were a fact that you were asserting as a claim, that would be an entirely different situation. We probably wouldn't have to argue for it. But if you find a variety of people or a main audience uh, maybe a little uh, uh, dubious about whether or not the claim that you're offering is true or not, well, that's why you're going to try to produce the best argument for that claim. What is the role of a thesis statement in your paper? The th thesis statement should guide your reader through your argument. The thesis statement is generally located in the introduction. Doesn't always have to be, but that's probably the best place to start. A thesis statement may also be located within a body of the paper in a conclusion, depending on the purpose of the argument of the paper. But sometimes what you find is that there'll be a paragraph maybe that introduces an audience uh, or reader to the uh, overall um, issue. And then the thesis statement maybe occurs in, an, in the paragraph subsequent. That's usually the way it goes. Just ponder for a moment which thesis statement is the most effective for an argument about the need for V-chips in television sets. Those are the magical mystery things that actually monitor the channels that a child or some other user goes to when they're viewing TV. Parents, often too busy to watch television shows with their families, can monitor their children's viewing habits with the aid of the V-chip. To help parents monitor their children's viewing habits, the V-chip should be a required feature for a television set sold in the U.S. This paper will describe a V-chip and examine the uses of the V-chip in the American-made television sets. Think about it for a moment. I'm not going to tell you point blank which one is the best, but you probably find two of those better than uh, another, I'm guessing. How about body paragraphs in the main body and the topic sentence associated with each of those paragraphs? Body paragraphs build upon the claims made in the introductory paragraphs. So basically when you uh, cite your introduction, you give the main conclusion or claim, your thesis statement, and then you provide the supporting reasons that you uh, are going to argue further about in the main body. So that all gets pretty much taken care of in the introductory paragraph or so. In the body, you build upon and illustrate and exemplify and provide uh, good, solid resources and credible uh, sources of information to support those claims that are going to be used as premises for your main argument. Organize these with the use of the topic sentences that illustrate the main idea of each paragraph. Offering a brief explanation of the history of recent developments in your topic with any early body paragraphs can help the audience to become familiarized with your topic and uh, the complexity of the issue and give them thus background information with which to better understand how to uh, interpret uh, your argument and where it fits in in a historical context or a social context or a political context or a philosophical context. With respect, again, to body paragraphs, these paragraphs should be ordered in several ways, uh, depending upon the topic and the purpose of your argument. They may be, that is to say. You can go from general to specific, more important point to le least important point, weakest claim to strongest claim. Um, basically, you might uh, start out uh, with uh, a somewhat uh, uh, simplified, if you will, claim, 
maybe one that's not necessarily strong you're in, in your body your first uh, paragraph let us say discusses and illustrates the first claim you're making that serves as a premise to support your main conclusion and uh, it might not necessarily be the best claim that you have to offer so you might build up from that one to the next stronger to the strongest one of all as you proceed to provide your three basic reasons which is normally the way that goes by the way three good reasons in any argument each of which are illustrated uh, the principle of offering a counter-argument a charitable counter-argument is a good idea it addresses the claims of the opposition um, and helps you build your argument more convincingly if in fact you're able to show why the main counter-argument against your position is not good it doesn't stand up to scrutiny it also demonstrates your credibility as a writer uh, it shows that you've researched multiple sides of the argument and have come to an informed decision it helps everybody to realize that if it is true of course that you've studied uh, well for your argument that you've come to an informed decision you've thought it out it's in other words not just your opinion opinions are fine things to have we all have a right to our opinions but this class this course doing an argument like this is not solely about opinion sure you can start out with an opinion uh, about something but what we want you to do is to try to substantiate that opinion and thus bring it uh, more into the domain of a credible assertion which has a likelihood of being true when you offer a counter argument um, you can put them in various locations within your body paragraphs you can choose to build each of your main points as a contrast to oppositional claims or just offer one main counter argument after you've articulated your main claims that's normally the way it goes by the way um, you provide uh, let us say in a main body three or so paragraphs supporting your main premises and then you devote a paragraph to a counter argument against your main claim and then proceed to show in what way that really doesn't work and why and that that then leads an audience to become more convinced that what you have to offer is in fact reliable some tips about counter arguing effectively consider your audience when you offer your counter argument conceding to some of your opposition's concerns can demonstrate respect for their opinions remain tactful yet firm and of course this more has to do I suppose when you're arguing with somebody face to face but surely when you write you want to also maintain a, a modicum of etiquette so if you have an imaginary uh, opponent you don't want to engage in any of the fallacious ways that people often do of trying to take down their arguments such as things you either know about or will be learning about soon argumentum ad hominem arguing against the person itself as opposed to the thesis that they that person is uh, offering uh, straw man argument the argument that basically creates a fictitious uh, arguer or argument to argue against and water it down so that it makes your argument appear to be stronger don't want to engage in those fallacies so really I'm offering you these uh, tidbits of information well before I think you're probably going to sit down and do your argument this semester uh, but you might want to take a look at various areas of your book depending on what textbook you're using some textbooks offer information at the very end about fallacies and how to write a paper critical thinking textbooks of course uh, start out pretty much right at the beginning talking about uh, fallacies and so I recommend you go to the respective chapters uh, that you be utilizing in your textbook in order to get a, a sense of the kind of fallacies informal fallacies in particular you should avoid when you write or speak when you incorporate research into body paragraphs uh, you want to make sure that uh, it's good stuff and again that's why I caution you against using something like Wikipedia if you have a well-researched item and you're using that data to support the premises in the main body of your argument 
to lend further support to the main claim, you're doing a very good job. Um, use research to support the claims made in your topic sentences. Make your research work to prove your arguments. So you want to always remember your argument should look really quite coherent, that the main premises that are used to substantiate the main claim of your argument are those that can be demonstrated with reasonable research to be uh, worth believing. The big finale is the conclusion, and it should re-emphasize the main points made in your paper. And of course, you may choose to reiterate a call to action or speculate in the future of your topic when appropriate. I think what a, a good practice is to do both of those things simultaneously, if possible. It makes the argument more interesting and shows in what sense it's related to some uh, action-oriented kind of result or behavior or conduct that you think maybe people ought to engage in, including the beliefs that, that they may want to uh, pursue. Uh, or question, but uh, usually the way we look at this is that the conclusion restates the introduction, and if it does so consistently, that it means that you've done a pretty good job staying on target. In a, in the introductory uh, paragraph uh, or so, you've said what you're going to do, and in the conclusion, you say what you have done, and in the main body, you simply do it. Now, of course, what you want to do is avoid raising new claims in your conclusion. Uh, what students sometimes, and I guess I've been guilty of this myself, do, is they first of all give themselves many two questions. You're just going to be dealing with one issue, and that's basically can be expressed, as we said, as a question or a statement or assertion, but just one. Don't raise a whole bunch of questions in the introduction. You should just focus on one question. And at the same time, you shouldn't at the very end particularly start talking about new claims or different claims. That's a different argument. So you just have to worry about one main claim supported with a generally three or four premises and work out your paper in the manner suggested here and you should be in good shape. We'll take another look at that and uh, that basically shows you the manner in which your argument ought to be uh, orchestrated. This upper pyramid uh, kind of represents the title and then uh, these uh, bigger pyramidal structures represent the paragraphs that support that and then you build up to this final pink base so to speak that is the conclusion. You could of course look at it another way as well and that is to suggest that uh, the premises or gr actual grounding that lead you to the pinnacle of your argument but this figure can be used a variety of different ways. Thank you very much for joining me. Please do let me know if you need any further illumination if this has been of some value to you at this point. We'll be conducting a live synchronous illuminate in all likelihood uh, session on this to go over in more detail uh, during the semester what you what uh, kinds of theses statements you want to talk about what kinds of issues are appropriate for this class etc. Take care.